Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please remain standing for the scripture, Luke 11, 1 through 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I am certain that this week was a week of prayer. For many people, Christian and non-Christian alike, I know that people prayed. They prayed for numbers, 15, 23, 53, 65, 70, and Mega Ball 7. People pray, yeah, people pray. But let's not talk about those unanswered prayers this morning, because there's a difference between praying and bargaining between praying for the cure for a disease, a healing for a child or a loved one, and praying to win a billion dollars. I think we all know that, so I'm not going to dwell on that, but I'm going to talk about this phrase, Lord, teach us to pray. It's an understandable request, after all. The disciples have just seen the power of Jesus praying They've also heard about John the Baptist's disciples teaching them how to pray. John Wesley, in his notes on Scripture, remind us that every rabbi, every leader has his own particular prayer that he teaches his disciples. And the disciples want to know what's the secret prayer, what's Jesus' secret formula. Because deep down, like all of us, The disciples long to know how to speak to God, how to engage God in prayer, and so they ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. It is a reasonable request. But I always get nervous when I hear 
or I see someone in the scriptures making a request of Jesus in the Gospels, because things rarely seem to work out in the way that we expect. For instance, in the preceding story, just before this one, in Luke chapter 10, Martha comes to Jesus and demands that Mary leave Jesus' side to come help her with the ministry of hospitality. And it's not a bad request. Jesus, I need help. My family is being lazy. Make her. No, tell her to come and help me. And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, you've got it all wrong. Mary has chosen the better way. Be careful when you make requests of Jesus. And just before that, a lawyer comes to Jesus and requests about eternal life. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a great question. But before you know it, Jesus is telling the parable of the Samaritan, the outsider, the lowly, immoral outcast, who becomes an example, an example for the upstanding, reputable lawyer, while the definition of who is my neighbor is all of a sudden redefined. And the lawyer leaves that encounter with Christ with his mind spinning because he came to Jesus with this simple request, a small ask that seemed like it had an easy answer. But Jesus changes everything in this lawyer's life. The rich young ruler must have had a similar experience when he came to Jesus and asked what he must do to inherit eternal life. And this is the one where Jesus famously responds, sell all that you own and give it to the poor and follow me. And we're reminded how that ended. The rich man left Jesus for he loved his possessions more. And honestly, we all make requests of Jesus, but I rarely hear what I expect and I much less hear what I want to hear. There's a question that's used in dinner conversations or on college interviews or on long car rides. Maybe you've heard this question or maybe you've asked this question. Maybe you've played this game. If you could have a conversation with anyone in history throughout time, who would you invite over for dinner? Who would you engage in conversation? And oftentimes we think Jesus is the right answer because that's what we learned in Sunday school. Jesus is always the answer. But I don't know if that's such a good choice because the conversation with Christ is probably going to be rough. If you read where Jesus is invited to a dinner party, it's very rarely calm and decorum and salad forks and dessert forks and tea glasses and fine china. Jesus wrecked a lot of dinner parties just by showing up. And I get a little wary when people make requests of Jesus, but here we are. Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know what the expectation really is, but what we get becomes the foundation for a prayer that we pray every week the Lord's Prayer. And oftentimes it becomes something that we do, but hearing these words again outside of the context of a prayer that we pray together, when Jesus actually gives us these words to pray, we can't help but hear them with new ears and fresh eyes and open minds and open hearts. And hopefully we're shocked just as the disciples were. But the prayer begins familiarly enough. It begins in a relationship when Jesus uses the term Abba, 
father, intimacy, a term of endearment that could mean parent or loved one. Jesus gives us permission to approach God in prayer, not as some far-off judgment, wrath-filled God, but upon a God with whom we are intimately known and intimately dependent. But then things change rather drastically, and we often move so fast throughout the Lord's Prayer that we miss the strangeness of it. But maybe it's not so strange, because here's what I think makes it strange, because we are placed in the position of children, and it's not too long before the children start making demands of their parents. May I have a glass of milk, please? Can we get ice cream at the grocery store? Can I watch one more show? Let me stay up 30 more minutes. Children make demands and requests of their parents, and they do it boldly, oftentimes not even asking, please. And while it's shocking to think that we would make demands of God, every verb in the Lord's Prayer is an imperative. Give us this day. Forgive us our sins. Jesus is not making this stuff up because children are always children. These demands that we make in the Lord's Prayer are real. They're not polite requests. They are imperatives. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Forgive us our trespasses. Do not bring us to the time of trial. Nowhere do we find the word please, just demands. Nowhere in there the pious humility that we Dear Lord, if you just let me draw these six numbers or five numbers, I just promise you that I'm just going to use it for your glory. None of that pious, hiding humility demands one after another, and they're not small. Bring heaven on earth. Bring in your peace. Give us our daily bread. Not to me, but to us. Give not to my neighbor, but give to us. Give to all of us that which sustains us. It's a story that points back to when the Israelites were wandering in Exodus and the manna came from heaven when God gave the daily bread, just enough for everyone. Manna that you could not hoard. Manna that you could not take home and stockpile. Daily bread that was enough for everyone so that no one had to go hunting or searching or looking for food. Everyone had enough And no one had too much. It's a prayer that recognizes that what's left over at the end becomes inedible. You cannot take it with you. It's a prayer about the heavenly banquet when no one goes hungry. And it becomes a political prayer because it talks about the things in life that confront us, our resources. It's about hunger. It's about joblessness, poverty. And it's a bold prayer. Give us this, our daily bread. It's about our roles and our place in this world. And then it moves on. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Now that is a demand. Not only are we demanding that God forgive our sins, but that we somehow, by the grace of God, are able to forgive others. It's a prayer that recognizes our human need, that we need forgiveness. It's not about you and your neighbor. It's about a world that needs God's forgiveness. We know we need to ask 
for it, but too often we think that it's the other person that needs to take the first step. The other person is wrong, not us. The other person doesn't get us. Forgive them first, and then I'll be allowed to forgive them is not the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. The boldness of this prayer starts with us asking for us to be able to forgive those who have sinned against us, and that is a bold bold prayer because we have to ask ourselves, are we really ready to forgive or are we waiting on the other person to see the error of their ways? Bold demands in a simple prayer. Maybe Jesus knows what's going on when he tells the disciples. He senses the unease in the room. He can cut it with a knife And so he goes on to tell a story. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me loaves of bread. And the friend has kids sleeping. He's worried that the dogs are going to bark and wake up the baby who's taking a nap. And the door's already locked. Go on, I'll send you a PayPal or a Venmo later. We'll circle back around uh, next week. Right now, I'm busy. But because of this persistent man, he will get up and give you the bread, not because of your friendship, but because of your persistence. And that's a word that the church has zoned in on over the years, persistence. And I'm grateful that Sherry did not read the translation that offers that word, persistence, because it's a bad translation. What the best translation is, audacious tenacity. Even a better word might be impudence. We are audacious children making impudent demands for the impossibilities of God. We are audacious children making impudent demands for the impossibilities of God. And if I'm honest, thinking about the times that I've prayed this prayer, it's not audaciousness that drives me to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. In fact, most of my prayer life, I would not classify as audacious, But God invites us, teaches us to pray that way. I think we've lost a sense of what it means to pray with that audacious tenacity. We've exchanged our prayers that the early church prayed to end homelessness, to end poverty, to end injustice. Real prayers that said, God, we pray for no more hunger, for no more war for those prayers that say, be with those in need. We've exchanged the prayers, God, wipe away every tear from their eye for those that mourn with, be with those who need your grace. Perhaps we're afraid, afraid that God will not answer, or at least that God will not answer in a way that pleases or placates us. Or maybe we're afraid that we think we have to defend God somehow, that we have to protect God in case God doesn't give us that magic formula. Or maybe we're afraid to pray the impossible because we know that in praying for God's kingdom to come on earth, it's going to mean that we have to give something up. That when we ask, when we demand something from God, God immediately demands and asks something from us. Jesus gives us permission to be shameless, to be audacious, to be bold, 
demanding, impudent children making wild requests. Because this permission-giving God is making us a promise. When you pray in this way, it will be given to you. You will seek and you will find. The door will be opened. And what is that it? What is the door? What is all that vagueness that Christ speaks of? In the very last verse of our reading, we find it. You might have missed it. but It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit which even makes the audacity for us to pray possible. The Holy Spirit which allows us to pray boldly even for the impossible God who makes all things possible. Prayer takes time and it takes a certain posture, not just of the body but of the heart. Praying for peace is a difficult task, but in the Nikolai Church in Germany, on September 20th, 1982, the first prayers for peace were held with five students. And every Monday from then on at 5 p.m., this group gathered during the Cold War in Europe. Every Monday when tensions were growing between east and west, and we lived under constant threats of nuclear war. In Western Europe, this peaceful protest took on many fronts, but this small group of students in communist-ruled East Germany, groups of young people and others met to pray. The motto of this prayer group became swords into plowshares, borrowing from Micah's imagery in chapter 4, verse 3. And over the years, the prayers for peace at the Nikolai Church became a place where people could share their concerns, their experiences, and their hopes. There was a simple sign outside the church with a text that said, Nikolai Kirche, open for all. And everyone was welcome, Christian or not. And that group met for seven years with no more than five. And then a couple dozen people showed up in 1989. And then they decided they were going to go out into the streets and pray for peace. And as they did, the numbers reached into the hundreds to the thousands, and ultimately to 70,000 people praying for peace, gathering on the streets, chanting, no violence, we are the people. Of course, the government had no want of this, and so they were ready for anything. They mobilized hospitals, they mobilized schools, they even mobilized other churches in anticipation of the protests that would follow when the protesters met the army in charge. One of the leaders of the Communist Party said, we were ready for anything, only not for candles and prayers. Because as the people took to the streets praying for peace, in their hands they held a candle. And when you hold a candle outside, you have to use two hands to hold a candle, one to actually hold the candle and the other to protect it from the wind or else the candle will go out. When you are carrying your candle, you cannot pick up a stone, you cannot pick up a rock, and you cannot make a fist. Everyone was planned and ready to go for everything except candles and prayers. How will we pray? 
And what are the prayers that we will give to God in our boldness? It has everything to do with how we come to God in prayer. Carry your candle. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything, everything will be given unto you. Martin Luther famously said, if you sin, sin boldly. That was supposed to be funnier, but you know, whatever. (laughs) If you pray, pray boldly. If you love, love boldly. And as you go, go boldly in the name of God who loves us, who calls us to approach his throne as little children. And as you go out into the world, may you go with this blessing. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our arms. And may the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.